0: Hello, welcome to Big Sky Breakdown. This is Coulter Nuanas. As always, you can find this podcast, at SkylineSportsMT.com. Coming to you on Thursday, it's December 12th, December 13th. Two huge Big Sky Conference football games. Weaver State hosts Montana. That's number three versus number six. And Montana State, the number five seed in the FCS playoffs. They host Austin P from Clarksville, Tennessee. Three Big Sky teams in the final eight, guaranteed to be at least one in the final four. If both the if the Cats can win, there'll be two teams in the final four regardless of who wins between weaver state and the grizzlies in this podcast we'll here from ryan tutel espn missoula as well as statewide swx montana television my co-host tutel Nuanas. we'll be doing tutel Nuanas from the rock and Bar downtown bozeman tomorrow so come to see us before montana state's playoff game we'll also be hearing from brooks Nuanas talking about a couple crazy coaching hires in the big sky conference including ed mccaffrey former denver broncos wide receiver turn over in colorado Bo Baldwin to Cal Poly we'll also break down the Bobcat and the Grizz games for you as well so stay tuned for those as well if you want to check out our interviews that we did leading up to these playoff games check them out to tell and Juana's. it was easier for me to leave them archived in the podcast there because they were all live this week so we had Mark Hudspeth head coach from Austin P on. We had Jay Hill, head coach from Weber State on. Uh, so you can check those out as well. Just go to 1029ESPN.com. Click on the podcast tab. They're there. They're also available on all your podcast hosting platforms like Spotify and the like. As always, Big Chat Breakdown presented by Town Pump. Town Pump, Montana's best since 1953. No matter where you're at in Montana, there's a Town Pump near you. If you're traveling to either of these playoff games, go hit up Town Pump. They got you covered for snacks, gas, food. Water, whatever you need. Town Pump's got you covered. Montana's best since 1953. Up uh, first, Ryan Toutel, ESPN Missoula, breaking it down. All the dynamics of the quarterfinals of the FCS playoffs. Hey, Big Sky Breakdown. Coulter Nuanez, back with you. Ryan Toutel. Howdy. Sitting shotgun. Won't be sitting shotgun tomorrow. We're recording right now. 12-12, 2019. 12-13, Big sky football action across the Western United States. We were state host Montana and Montana State hosts Austin P. I will be in Bozeman. Come see me, rocking our bar, four to six. I guess I'll be there about four to five thirty, but Ryan will be on the radio until six and we'll be broadcasting from down there. Live, so come check us out. Come hang out before the game. If you and will the we not have game.
1: Tucker Sargent in? Tucker Sargent
0: will be in tow. He might come on the show for a little bit or a lot of bit. I don't know. I got three I think, hour drive to prep him.
1: Yeah, I think he's going to have to be there uh, until six there at the Rock and R. Break so the thing Tuck, down for you. Maybe
0: Tuck will get in the in the shotgun seat as well. But but come check us out. Come see us. Uh, it's a cool deal uh, for us to be broadcasting from the R That's definitely a new uh, partner of ours, and really appreciate Mike Hope and Tony and the boys down there. For supporting us we 've been trying to grow this Two tell nuanas Skyline sports dual empire statewide and it 's right. always great I mean universal athletic has been awesome. the Montana Football Hall of Fame has been great in terms of letting us stay there in Bozeman and broadcast from there but uh, it 's awesome to have Mike hope and the boys from downtown uh, involved in this, so really appreciate Mike. For doing that and it should be a really fun place. I mean it is the Bobcat Bar.
1: The Rock and R Bar is the place to be both before and after uh the game and uh it'll be awesome to be there ahead of the game and see some of the the uh the mid level to late level tailgating that's going on that's right. inside and then, you know, just saunter a couple blocks on down the way to the uh to Bobcat stadium.
0: And you know the Rock and R Bar routine. Usually Friday nights before home games you can go in there with your MSU alumni card, get ten percent off, but that's probably happening tonight, Thursday, and don't forget about the fifth quarter. After the game, they got the best drink specials in the entire city of Bozeman. So go check them out at the Rock and Arbor and come see us while we're broadcasting FCS playoffs, Gus. And I want to ask you about this, the dynamic of a feeling, because we start getting the football itch the first week of July. Start doing the Montana Football Hour the second week of July. We go to the Big Sky Kickoff in Spokane. I did our show from there this year and uh, debuted our Montana Football Hour in July. And we spent July and August talking about, here's all the reasons these teams are good. Here's all the reasons these teams could be good. Here's the things that are going to hinder these teams. And here's how these teams are going to do. Here's how they're going to finish. And I think that when we were analyzing this stuff in July and August, both of you and I would have agreed that Eight or nine wins was probably in the wheelhouse for both these teams. They both won nine games during the regular season. Six to seven big sky wins. They both won six. Um and chasing buys in the first round of playoffs. They both got them. Winning playoff game at home, second round. They both did. They both fulfilled expectations, but somehow, someway it still feels like a surprise, a relief and Uh, An affirmation all wrapped up into one. I mean, how do you feel about the fact that both these teams are in the Elite Eight? Because I think we both would have said, that's about where we think they should and could be. But now that they're here, you're like, wow, they actually did it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think coming into this year, my expectations were a little bit higher for Montana State than they were for Montana coming into the year. So getting a bye, winning a home game, being in the quarterfinal— I think was an expectation to me for for Montana state what what they could do but also what they needed to do. Um and they have done it and now with a home game uh in in the quarterfinal you know you you see how far you can go and if you can and ride this thing into uh and in, into Fargo and see what happens presumably into Fargo and see what happens. Uh for Montana at the beginning of the year, if you said a buy a win, and into the quarterfinals, I think you would have had, uh, not that it was beyond the realm of possibility, certainly. I think a lot of people would have said, you know, that's very, a very real aspiration for this fo- football team to have. But having not been in the playoffs at all since 2015, uh, before the season started, I think you say, man, that would, be, that would be a really good season. That would be an outstanding season for Montana but the way that the season has progressed and the way that they have played and the the, the uh, huge improvement on the offensive line in particular but also just the outstanding sort of year 2 being integrated on all you know in all ways the staff staying, staying identical and so the systems uh you know another year which is huge for all the players both sides of the ball to be into it once the year sort of got going and got rolling you sit here and you go oh yeah i mean this is In a quarterfinal game in the playoffs is absolutely where Montana should be. So it it, it has shifted for me where the expectations have basically become equal for both of these teams. At this point, though, going into this weekend, you know, if one team wins and one team loses, you say, okay, well, you know, the team that won went to the semifinals and then who knows past that had a better year than the other team did. Maybe, maybe not. Um, But also I think that this is a – both teams can and should claim victory of some sort when it's all said and done in terms of not victory relative to one another i mean i think only montana state can do that uh, at this point but in terms of an outstanding year in which the direction of the program was solidified and taken to the next level and we have you know the the program has reached a place where it is expected to be and can continue to build on and uh, and be nationally competitive. There, there's a
0: lot there. Um, first of all, I want to ask you about the – I think it's so interesting what – there's no foot freak out like a college football freak out. I mean, I keep saying it because I think it's just so funny, but it's also so true. But there's like a certain amount of – like PTSD is like too strong of a way of describing it, but there's like a certain amount of – Sports fandom related trauma amongst both the fan bases of Montana and Montana State because, for so long at Montana, particularly, there was no climax into a disappointment. It was just a climax, climax, climax. And some would argue losing in the 96 national championship game, the 2000 national championship game, 04, 08, 09, when I mean, they lost five out of seven national championship games. That's certainly a stark disappointment, but you're winning 14 or 15 games before that to get to that point. You're rolling people. You have so much to hang your hat on still. Big Sky Conference titles, Cat Grizz wins, playoff appearances, all that stuff. But then, you know, since it sort of all fell apart at Montana, I think that they have had to suffer what Montana State fans had to suffer for so long, what, That which was either not being good enough straight up, like they were throughout the entire 1990s, but then when they were almost good enough not being good enough. In 2006, you got you know a team that's already sort of laid the foundation, and then they win a playoff game their first playoff win in 22 years but then they have to play app state you're not beating app state right like and then those denarius mcgee teams they play north dakota state sam houston state sam houston state so they play number one number two and number two in the playoffs just because of the way that they got the draw i think those bobcat teams were top four or five teams what they lost in the quarterfinals instead of the semifinals just because of the draw but there's this lingering man we almost expect these teams to let us down over the last six or seven years, and these two squads finally have bucked that notion. And I think that that's why maybe it feels like our optimism and our – not just optimism, because we have no real emotional attachment to this. I just, I just know what I see. When I watch Montana State practice on defense, I'm like, well, they're really good. They have to be good. If they're, if they're not, I just don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And same thing with Montana. When you watch Dalton Snead throw it, you're like, man, that guy's a great quarterback. They have to be good, and then when they're not, I think it makes it even more disappointing, especially for guys that sit in our chairs. But what do you think of just the element of the collective disappointment that people have had to navigate, and the way that impacts maybe how we think this this does feel sort of like a revelation that they're in this this spot in the playoffs?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think that um, you know, Montana fans have just been, you know, they're they're always. They've kind of gotten over a little bit the just constant expectation that they're just better than everybody else in virtue of being Montana,
0: right? And but that th- was not an unjustified way of acting. It, it was definitely an arrogant and somewhat exhausting way of acting, especially for certain people around the state.
1: But here's here's the forty-seven issue. and
0: six against the Big Sky when you're Bob Young. Of course, you're walking around like you got bigger balls than everybody else in the conference. Here's
1: the issue, fans in general, not individual fans, but fans in general, are five years behind reality.
0: Isn't that so So true. they
1: think that if you were winning national championships in 2000, 2005, you're winning you know, however many games and on, and on. I know they didn't win in 2000 or 2005. I'm just saying as an example. Sure. For numbers' sake. Well, all of a sudden, when you don't win it, well, it doesn't matter. We're still the same. Oh, no, no, no. Well, I, okay, okay, well, yeah, we had this thing that happened. Okay, yeah, we had a new coach. Okay, but it's still Montana. Like, we still got the biggest state. And, and that's, on, that's and ex, on and on and on. It's
0: accentuated when you go to seven out of 14 national title right. games, right?
1: And then at some point on your fifth in a row 500 season, somebody wakes up and goes, you know what we are? A 500 football team.
0: The craziest part and, is even during the quote-unquote struggle, they only had one losing season. That's right. That's one right. losing season since 1985. Think of that. And
1: Mick Delaney took them to the playoffs. I mean, even Mick Bob Delaney Stitt won 10 games one Went to the, t- the playoffs twice, and and Bob Stitt did it as well. But the point is is it still wasn't anything like what it had been at one point, yeah. but it took a long time for that to set into the fan base that, we, that, that, that Montana is in fact not where we, the, the fans saying we, thought that it, right. we are. But then the same applies when 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 the RTD happens or sure. is happening, and you're not going to sit here now today, certainly, and say that it has happened, but it is heading in that direction. And I think that the fans are still gun-shy going, well, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not ready to say. And I think the same is true for Montana State. How- I think the fans are finally coming around to believing that Montana State is, in fact, better than Montana at football.
0: It, it took until the last Cat Grizz game of the decade for yes. it to actually be
1: affirmed, right? And the right? fourth in a row, and and, and Jeff Choate being 4-0 and in the game. Like, this is Montana and State's
0: sixth playoff appearance this decade, right. which is more than Montana. They won three Big Sky titles, which is three more than Montana. Right. They beat the Grizz six out of ten times. That's more than Montana, no, this and it still took a full ten years. You're right. He, That's a very, very fascinating uh, observation on your Here
1: plan. Here is the true irony, though, of all this to me, okay? And I got no dog in the hunt. But this is; these are the facts as I see them. Montana and Montana fans are still judging success by uh, according to themselves. Absolutely. Montana State and Montana State fans are still judging them su- success according to Montana. Are we better Montana than the and, and a lot of
0: other programs as well? Totally, totally. Yeah,
1: and and so that is the thing where. Until it's just a foregone conclusion that you are better, so the question is dumb to be asked in the first place. Right. That's a level of dominance and expectation that it does take time to cultivate. You don't just wake up one day and believe this thing.
0: Well, and and they've split since the streak ended. They've split nine to nine. Right. And by the way, but but there's not been runs to the championship game by Montana State, so it's hard to have the full pendulum swing to the other side.
1: And and also. Montana State, Montana State football is better than Montana football because they're four and zero in the last four in the rivalry game, and because they've done better every single season. Uh, say, well, not the first actually two, but here recently they've been the better program, and Montana has been in a in a rebuild of sorts, as we know. But also, no one, no one, you can bring somebody in from Ohio and Alaska and say, "Look at these two programs and what they've done, who's better?" They would not, they wouldn't have a, a a a sure answer for you when you talk about the programs as a whole. because as you said, they both finished with the same record. They both finished with a buy. They both finished one, two, or in this case five, six, in the national polls when it was all said and done. And so these two programs are really identical right now. But the the huge sway, the huge tipping point, is always then going to be well, what happened in the last game of the regular season, and when it was an ass kicking like it was on November 23rd, that matters. That matters, man. It does. Like you know, if it had been 28-27, it actually it would be it would be a little bit different than you know than than what it was. But for it to go like that, that uh, that is influential.
0: I want to ask you about handling expectations because I do think it's a learned art, and I think that Montana was so good at it last decade. they are going to have to relearn it, but Montana State as well. But I want to ask you a different question first. We had Jay Hill on, I guess you had Jay Hill on, on Tuesday on 2 one 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 Two Nine 9 ESPN Radio, statewide SWX Montana Television. I was down at Grizz practice getting some player interviews, but you interviewed the six-year head coach of Weber State. And Jay, I, I listened to his press conference from after the game. Uh, in Missoula on November sixteenth, mm-hmm. last night, as well as your interview with him, and he said the same thing twice. I think that it's worth noting. He he said, "Hey, at the end of the day, when you get your ass kicked, that's football." And like we see, it, we saw it in the NFL the last couple weeks, like the the Houston Texans get destroyed. They lose by five touchdowns to the to the uh, Baltimore Ravens, and then they go and win in New England the very next week, mm-hmm. and then they lose last week. And it's just, that's football. Sometimes the ball just doesn't roll your way. Sometimes you have all sorts of crazy things. But it's like Jay Hill said, we went down to Sac State. We played one of the best games we've ever played. And we won. We beat a really good team, who might have even been better than us, but we beat them. And then we came and we played our absolute, no question, worst game in three years in Missoula, against a good team that played well. You play If you play your worst and you're playing a good team that plays well, they're going to kick you're your ass. You're going to get avalanched. That's right. And, and, but then, like he said, but then Montana Montana went to Montana State the very next week and did the same thing. That's football. Yep. But then Sac State bounces back from the Weaver win or from the Weaver loss, guts out a couple, but then they go get their ass kicked. And so I guess it's a two-part question. First of all, how much – I guess coaches try to remind us all the time it really is just about who plays well and who doesn't and if both teams play well, who makes less mistakes. But there's also just like the psychological aspect of that. But – I also think that we have seen it. The the gridiron season is a microcosm of it, but we've seen it across the board in the Big Sky. We see it across the board in the NFL. It seems now when you have two elite teams playing each other, if one has the upper hand on the day, that's revealed way earlier than it feels like to me that it used to be. And teams do get avalanche more often than not. I mean, think about the four premier teams in the league. They all played each other except Montana State and Montana, or excuse me, Montana State and Weber State. And every single game was an ass kicking. Mm-hmm. Whoever whoever got out early, and you're like you're playing well for the first twenty minutes, kick your ass. So what do you think of that dynamic? The fact that I, but you, we see it in the NFL too. When, when it sort of gets out of hand, you used to never see forty five seven in the NFL. We've seen all sorts of blowouts this year. I just I don't know. I don't know if it's a societal thing or if you just can't.
1: I don't believe it's a societal thing.
0: I mean, I think at college football, there's a certain element of it. Though. I mean, Bobby Houck said, why he, he was asked, why is it hard to beat a team twice? And he said, because these guys are 18 to 22 years old, and when you beat them once, they don't want to listen to you anymore. I mean, I, I think that there is a, a certain psychological factor where if you know you're beat and you know the consequence of a loss is not a season-ending consequence, that it's easier to just fold up the tents.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, that that may be true. Think about the
0: energy Montana State played with the last 5 weeks compared to the energy they had in Bozeman against Sac State. Night and day. No doubt. Think
1: about the energy Montana played with against Weaver and not against Montana State. That's right. There was there was nothing there. But but here's the thing, I don't I mean again, I chalked that up to just one game, too. You know, like why were you not able to match an opponent's intensity, energy, uh zest for the game? Hard to know like what 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 that why why that might be the case. And if a coach could figure out why that was the case, they would be the greatest coach, you know, ever. I mean, all the stuff that you try and do to get your to get your guys ready to go. I mean, Charlotte football right now, they're going to the Bahamas bull culture. They have uh they have club lit in the locker room after a win coach shirt off mannequin head on lights off uh what do they call what dancing balls what are they what do they call <laughs> disco, them? Balls. disco balls sure spinning around EDM pumping and all the dudes jumping doing I mean they they it turns into a straight club in the locker room in Charlotte after a W okay if that's is that what it takes to get dudes up to play to get them excited to get, and this is after a game I understand but you know there's there's a million different ways to do it you can be the you can be General, you know, you're know, you going to be an Army general, you can be a cheerleader, you can just be a happy guy, you can be maniacal, you can be, you know, and you see all of these personalities all over the place. I mean, if you put Aaron Best and Jeff Choate and Bobby Houck and Jay Hill in a room, I mean, you wouldn't have four different ways to go about getting a team up and ready to go that you could ever imagine, and none of them is quote-unquote right or wrong. You have to be who you are as a person totally. first so that it's real. I think that's the most important thing. And then after that, it's just being able to to see that. And I also think one big thing is I think coaches are awful at seeing their own flaws sometimes, at so, seeing the so places much. where they aren't, They can't be. They They want to be everything for everyone on their team, their staff, and everybody. This is how we're going to do it. Follow my lead. This is the thing but what you nobody is that nobody so you can do all that stuff but you have to be able i think to release some of that to i mean if you're surrounded by yes man it's going to be a catastrophe you know in a lot of instances i think you got to you got to have people who can come to you and go hey man we got to do this hey this kid he's not going to respond to this you got we got to let we got to have this happen and so there's one thing about the overwhelming sort of culture of a program that guys get into, but then they're even, you know, even within the most sort of, quote, uniform or well-defined culture, there's a hundred different personalities, a hundred different stories, a hundred different things going on in your home life, personal life, school life, social life, whatever it is, and all of that stuff has to be. Accounted for in some respect, and and the coaches that can do that or allow that to happen, I think can can be the best, and all that goes into playing well. And it's kind of crazy to go and at the end of the day, the point is to win. Like this is what we're, but but it is, and and that's I mean that's how I see it. Totally, and
0: I I think that I agree with everything you said, especially about the preparation, getting up for games, the energy that you bring, how do you inspire your team, all that stuff. But I, I'm more thinking about the when I say the societal factor. I'm more thinking about how the fact that it's easier to accept losing. It's the AAU culture, right? There's not nearly the, the mental anguish that comes with a loss, I guess. And I think one of the best parts about the FCS is that you can lose in a season, and then it's all about, like I said this, right after Montana State lost in North Dakota. That everything that's happened has happened. They're sitting here at 5-3. and three. How they respond to this two-game losing streak is the th- defining moment of their season. And Montana University Montana, they did respond in resounding fashion after the their sort of pinnacle pivotal and heartbreaking loss of the cats. I, I just think that uh, in the scope of the moment sometimes it's easier to fold up your tents and, and walk away.
1: Yeah, and I, I do I think there there is a real sort of aspect to that, you know. Uh but I also think some of it, dude, is just the game. You know what I mean? Like in a game where You have half of the possessions that you now have, and 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 where even if you run the ball over the place the most, you know you're ever going to be down in a game is ten. There's always like the hope of the scoreboard, like hey, all we got to do is hit maybe one big play, even though we never hit big plays, and you know it's a three point game or something like that. Whereas the just the style of football that is now played and the amount of plays that are now run and even just the most sort of normal offenses uh, garner things like big runs. I mean, NBA basketball, Colter, you watch more NBA basketball than anybody else. If you're down 20, what does that mean? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing, man. Like, it happens all the time. Teams all of a sudden, 90 seconds, it's a 13-0 run, and now it's a seven-point ball game, and there's a timeout. Come back out, get the next – you know, it happens all the time. Football is starting to go in that direction. Where being up ten, being up seventeen, is nothing like it once was. But here is the difference: you can be up seventeen and lose a football game. You can also be up seventeen and win by thirty-four, and that that didn't used to really be the case. Let's hear it, dude. You you just looked at your phone. This is a real time thing. It. Okay, well, Bob Stitt. Nope. Urban Meyer.
0: Almost a shocking. Who? Ed McCaffrey.
1: Ed McCaffrey. Outstanding. Denver guy, Colorado guy. Eddie McCaffrey. This is on Football Scoop. Football
2: Scoop is
1: basically... Football Scoop. I have never heard... I have never seen Football Scoop get one of these wrong Ever.
0: So... I mean, wow, <laughs> wow! I have no—I mean, Ed McCaffrey is obviously a legend in the area, for sure. A great Denver Broncos receiver, not only great, but terrific. yes, and he's one of the all-time favorite Broncos. He,
1: Broncos. And he's a guy who—who's now—is he from Colorado originally? Where did he play college ball, Ed McCaffrey?
0: Currently, the head coach of Valer Christian. I did not know that. So Ballard Christian is the, the powerhouse
1: high school in Highland. But whether or not he's from Colorado or – I forget where he went to college or whatever. Uh, yeah, you can watch your video on here. It's fine. It's live podcasting. But, but he is – so, Colt, you, knew, you know I grew up in a Bronco household. I mean, my dad's a big Broncos fan. Is The first professional game I ever went to was 1988 or 89, Monday Night Football, Broncos-Browns, Bernie Kosar. John Elway, Vance Johnson, Carl Mecklenburg, Rulon Jones. Oh, dude, how about how about Mecklenburg? Remember rolling in for a touchdown, doing spins on the ground. Oh, dude, he he reigned supreme in the two tell household too. So anyway, went to uh, a bunch of those, and Ed McCaffrey. He was a little—I mean, he was—he's younger than that, uh, but he was playing, you know, for, for the Super Bowl winners in the ninety, ninety-eight, ninety-nine. And uh, the smallest shoulder pads you ever saw, he he was the victim of more what are now targeting calls than anyone in the history of the NFL. I mean, I'm convinced of it. Going across the middle and just getting lit up time and time again. Dude, toughest dude ever. But here's the thing. Whether wherever he's from, he's one of the guys who played his whole career in one place was, you know, completely grafted into the Denver community, into the Bronco community, and stayed when he was done because it became home to him. Uh, And it might have even been beforehand, I don't know. But, uh, you know, it happens. Every city has their professional sports figure who has come to this city and now is just a a part of, I mean, Edgar Martinez in Seattle, Edgar Martinez way is the name of the street that Safeco is on. He's now in, you know, on, on the staff there and he's not the only one. Uh, There's, there's plenty of, there's, you know, a couple others as well, but these guys who go and do their whole career in one place, I mean, that's the real benefit of that. You can chase the money and do the free agency thing. But if you are in a place that you love that loves you back, your life is set forever in that place if you want it to be, you know? And Ed McAvery seems like that. So him going to Greeley is uh interesting. I'm not convinced he's got a better team than he had at Valor. <laughs> you know? Oh man. I mean Lohan Bruin. All right. Northern
0: Colorado's the talent on their roster is like ninth or in terms of problems with their
1: no doubt. Actually, you're, yeah, that's a very good point because they actually have had uh, some really very good players. yep yeah.
0: I mean, yep. I mean yep. if, if Nip goes, he'll get a chance at least at camp. Yeah. I mean, that'd be three straight quarterbacks yep. going to the NFL. No, no school. Uh, three straight quarterbacks, and in the years of those guys, one winning.
1: <laughs> Ed McKeon. That makes me happy, though, man. It'll be fun. It'll be so interesting to talk to him at the at the. Uh, meetings next summer or in uh, in Spokane, because, uh, I mean, w- I guess the challenge of it or whatever, you think you got some, I mean, he's obviously a guy that, that dudes will listen to, it seems to me. I mean, I don't know how young you have to be to not care about Ed McCaffrey, but I think if you are from that area, you know, you know. So that, and obviously it helps, and when Christian is doing what he's doing, you have a ton of of credibility with that group too, you're like, hey man, I was Christian before Christian was Christian, literally.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Bigger>. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, amazing. What, what a hire! I can't wait to see how that goes. It's it, it amazing that the, the trend of hiring former elite players. This is not his alma mater, so that's a little bit outside the box. But we've seen in the Penny Hardaway's, the Juwan Howards, the. It's such a no-risk hire for the AD because. You have the ultimate splash and the ultimate clout, and then if the guy fails, you can just say, "Well, we took a risk." He
2: had no head coaching experience. But if the guy thrives, then he
0: kills it, right? I mean, this there's is no a risk for Ed McCaffrey either because he's not worried about his money or anything like that. He just gets a chance. I mean, the thing is, Northern Colorado has all sorts of budget problems, and you know they don't have money. They don't pour money into football, but maybe they will now. Maybe they can raise money. I mean, Ed McCaffrey opens up some pretty good pipelines to guys that have money in the Denver area, so we'll see. But Honestly,
1: just from a pure expectation standpoint, because that's what we've been talking about this whole podcast. Northern Colorado's one of the greatest jobs in the country, yeah, because nobody <laughs> if you go ex- thinks and six, right, right. But hey, man, if you the the athletic director of Northern Colorado, I don't know who it is, but that person should just right now be given, I don't know, a hundred grand. Like this is this is this is a no brainer, greatest tire you could have possibly made. Like how they got Ed McCaffrey to go, yeah, I'll do this is I mean I you know who who knows what the relationships are I mean there has to be that right it's this isn't like hey man I've been eyeing that Big Sky Conference Northern Colorado job for a while like this is like you've been in Denver for 30 years now you are a known commodity Greeley is you know what an hour away maybe less from Denver so there you know that there's plenty of overlap and and you know this here's the thing is like football man is on such a, is is so visible, right? I mean, it's on every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Thursday, Monday, whatever. And millions and millions and millions of people are watching it. And it is a big, big deal. College football, professional football. But what I don't know if fans really realize is how small the football community actually is. It is a, it is, there is so much cross pollinization and overlap and webs of relationships that you can't believe. And I'm not just talking about oh here the NFL web here the Col-. I'm talking about football. Period. And so whatever football is going on uh, when you talk about uh, 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 you know Denver, Northern Colorado. I mean, what do you have? You have the Colorado Buffaloes. You have the Denver Broncos. You got CSU, they're a little ways out of town. And you got Northern Colorado. I mean, that's four football teams with coaches and so, – I mean, you could put the coaches and administrators of all four of the huge college team – or, or football teams that are in the state of Colorado nicely into a banquet at the Holiday Inn, like easily. <laughs> and so and true. probably they've been there all together, you know? So this, this – this sounds like there's some people who just are 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 friends and and that's fine. Like this is what this is life, man. You network it in and you get a guy like this to to come onto your team.
0: Fascinating, fascinating. Hire. We'll uh, we'll have more on these coaching hires maybe a little later on this month. Um, but stay tuned to the Big Sky Breakdown. I'm gonna save my question about expectations for you for uh, Brooks Nuannis. He's coming up next. Great, and uh, we'll circle back around with you, Ryan. But come see us at the Rock and R Bar. Tune in to Tutel Nuanas if you're not in the city of Missoula or in the greater Western Montana area, and you can't get it on 102.9 ESPN Missoula Radio. Check, catch, us, catch us on SWX Montana Television statewide, anywhere in in the entire state. That's right. You can also do the watch. We SWX are best app.
1: consumed live, though, at the Rock and R Bar. I mean, That's right. Come to kind of the about- Rock
0: and R Bar for sure. But if you're just out there, you know, say you're living up in Haver, Shoto. I you know we got some Shoto viewers. That's right, up there. You can also hit up the app. The app's a great way to watch it, too. Watch SWX as well. As always, Big C.I. Breakdown brought to us by Town Pump. Town Pump, Montana's best since 1953. No matter where you're at in Montana, there's a Town Pump near you. Tucker Sargent and I are going to hit up a Town Pump before we leave for Bozeman tomorrow. Probably get some caffeination, some snacks. It's not a road trip without some snacks. They got the best (laughs) snacks Town Pump. They got all sorts of snacks at Town Pump. So hit up Town Pump for any of your needs. I know that there will be a lot of people driving down to Ogden. Hit a Town Pump before you – I know that you're going to go to I-15 right there before you go down if you're going from Missoula. Rocker, there's Town Pump right there. Hit it up. That's a great place to get gas and food before you go down the Ogden way. If you're going to Bozeman, it's also a great place to stop. So hit up a Town Pump no matter where you're at in Montana. Town Pump, Montana's best since 1953.
1: Thanks, Gus. My pleasure. Coulter, the weather has turned. It is gnarly out there. It's gnarly on the roads. But in Montana, that doesn't keep us home. We go everywhere we got to go. You and I always traveling for football. I'm going to be headed to some other places for Christmas, all this kind of stuff. You know what gives me comfort? I know that I'm always about 11 feet from a town pump superstore. I mean, no matter where I am in the state of Montana, you got gasoline, you got all the refreshments you need. The kids got to have, you know, a, a, a packet of gum, some chips, some water to keep them going, to keep them satiated and satisfied in the backseat. And you know what other S word? Silent. Shut them up, those kids. You go to Town Pump and you got yourself some peace and calm in the van ride. I, sh- I should pay them $1 million for what they've done for me.
0: I always hit up that Town Pump right when you get over Homestake Pass.
1: i uh, write in Rocker there because yeah. I always run
0: out of the spray fluid for the windshield. And the mm. semis are spraying on you. When it gets cold and icy and snowy like this, you got to have the right fluids in your car. And Town Pump's got that covered as well. sometimes you need a beer for after the drive. So get yourself a six-pack, drink it when you get home, behave yourself. But it is. It's a great place no matter what you need. Fuel,
1: food, caffeine, water, anything. And who knows? Maybe you throw a dollar in the machine, you walk away a winner, too. I mean, you got all these different ways to recreate, stretch your legs on the highways.
0: No matter where you're at in Montana, there's a town pump near you. Town pump, Montana's best since 1953. Hey, welcome to the Big Sky Breakdown. Welcome back to the Big Sky Breakdown. Colter Nuanes joined on the hotline by Brooks Nuanez. And uh, we're going to get into some Cats and Grizz and Weber State and FCS playoffs and uh, Bo Baldwin to Cal Poly and all sorts of things. But first and foremost, the bombshell of the day honestly has to be one of the most surprising things I've ever heard.
2: <laughs> yeah, Northern
0: Colorado hires the new head coach. And his name is Ed McCaffrey, former Denver Broncos legend, currently the head coach at Valor Christian High School, which is a private high school, powerhouse high school in Highlanders Ranch, the Denver area. But uh, I mean, I think everybody thought it was Bob Stitt or Bust at Northern Colorado, and uh, they go hire maybe a future Hall of Famer instead.
2: Like you said, man, it's got to be one of the most surprising things in the world, especially if you're our age because Ed McCaffrey was such a dude when I was a kid. I mean, he was the dude. Like He was so sweet on so many good Broncos teams. I just have such fond memories of him, and then now his son, Christian McCaffrey, is just tearing the face off the NFL. Yep, One of the most dynamic players I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't think that's hyperbole. Uh, a, a true generational talent, and So Ed McCaffrey is uh, kind of on on top of mind at all times for me because of, of his son. So it's not like it's coming out of the woodworks of some old NFL guy that's all washed up and been around the game. He's still been so heavily involved in the game. What a home run hire, even if you just get, you're going to get a good quarterback or a good receiver or a couple good recruiting classes out of this because kids want to play for people. They know they are comfortable with, with people that they've heard of and, Playing for famed NFL players is a really, really big added value to any kind of recruiting process. So good job the Colorado. You don't always get it right. You actually very rarely get it right. You nailed this
0: and it's a no risk hire, right? because yeah even if he busts, like you hired Ed McCaffrey, you had to. It's all good <laughs> like I mean. Ernest Collins Jr. is a great guy. We loved him. We love taking out through the Big guy kickoff. Love interviewing him. Love taking out with Ernest. Think he's a dude. But he's fifty-two games under five hundred. like, if you do better than that, you're already you're already playing with House Money. So uh and the other factor is that he's at Valor Valor Christian. You know? Like, he could just bring ten dudes from there, and now you have ten guys that probably wouldn't have been going to Northern Colorado otherwise. So uh it will be very interesting to see if he can capture the Denver area and uh, improved Colorado football. What a hire! What an interesting deal. Uh, well, do you, do you know how
2: do you know how long he's been there for at Valor?
0: Uh, I don't. They went. They won ten games this last year. I'm reading on the uh, the Twitter machine because uh, I want
2: to compare it. I want to compare it to Troy Taylor, but you know, on a whole different scale of just being a guy that's been around high school programs in the area, then goes to you know, kind of the regional. College that's not necessarily the powerhouse like Sacramento State very much is in California, yeah, and gets them turned around really quickly because of a lot of regional familiarity.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. It's a really good parallel. How about the coaches in the Big Sky now, though? Because I mean, Bo Baldwin. Th- this news outshocked the Bo Baldwin news, which was the most shocking news of the year <laughs> forty-eight hours ago, <laughs> and. Bo Baldwin, former Eastern Washington head coach, won 85 games at Eastern Washington, won five Big Sky titles, won the 2010 National Championship, went to three other Final Fours. He spent the last three years as the offensive coordinator at Cal, and now he's returning to the head coaching ranks of the Big Sky Conference, but at Cal, Cal Poly. And you talk about straight up the opposite job. Cheney Washington couldn't be more different than San Luis Obispo, California. Cal Poly and their academic standards and what they're all about couldn't be more different than Eastern Washington. Recruiting the state of Washington, recruiting the state of California—totally different. Everything about it—the offense, the triple-option offense, and the spread offense—couldn't be more different. So, what a deal! But then you look around the Big Sky Conference. Now you got Bo Baldwin, Troy Taylor, and Dan Hawkins at the California schools. You got Bruce Barnum keeping Portland State football alive. You got Rob Fennessy at Idaho State. You got Jay Hill at Weaver State. You got a former Power Five defensive coordinator and Chris Ball at. Northern Arizona, you got Jeff Choate and Bobby Hauk at the Montana schools. Yeah, up and down this co- conference, now you have elite, elite coaching, and uh, it's going to make the league even more difficult than it already has been.
2: Yeah, Bo Baldwin is a crazy hire. Uh, it, these, guys are, these guys are big-time names in the football landscape, and now they're going to go to the big-side kickoff and hang out with each other, and they'll just be freaking Ed McCaffrey sitting over there.
1: <laughs> outshining them
2: all because it's Ed McCaffrey. I mean, he's got to be one of the, the the three fastest white dudes that's ever played in the NFL. No one knows that about him. He's just an absolute burner. Right, Big, tall, lanky, John Elway's best receiver for many, many years. Him and Rob Smith were such a dynamic duo. I mean, I really like Bruce Barnum, but i got to say that Ed McCaffrey's a little bit more thin.
0: <laughs> no doubt. What do you think, just quickly, because I want to get in the cats and the with you, but uh, w- Will, what do you think of just the fit of Bo Baldwin at Cal Poly?
2: I have no idea. I think, gosh, there's so much talent there in California that he's going to be able to draw from just right there in his own backyard. Recruiting to Cal Poly, you, know, you and I talk about it so much that you know the list gets pretty short. Either you can get into Cal Poly or you can't. And he used to be able to have to be a triple option style of player, or you weren't. So it, you know, it took your list of 50 guys, and you took 20 of them. It seemed pretty straightforward, but now I assume that he'll bring his offense. I mean, there's no way that he wouldn't, and that right. makes it so that there's another California school with arguably one of the most dynamic offensive minds in the West at a place where a lot of the, you know top-tier California schools have not been playing great. Cal, UCLA you know, have not been of extreme prominence in the last five, six, seven years. Stanford had a down year this year. You know, Davis has is, is, is been up, but traditionally has not in the last five or six years. I mean, I think it, it's a really unique piece of the pie. I, I don't know why he wanted to take that job. Maybe maybe Cal kind of enthralled him with the academic side of football. But Eastern Washington is kind of known for a, if you can breathe, you're in. Can you sign your name on the A right. we'll take you to the exact opposite. One of the most premier institutions, academic institutions in the West it it sure doesn't make sense to me but again i think it's a really good hire for Cal Poly
0: i'm just so interested to see bo baldwin was a great coach at eastern cuz he is a washington guy he played at central washington you know he he had been at eastern since 2003 except for the 2 years he spent at central and the offense he runs is is good it's it's good but it's not like something crazy it's just it's the single back out of the spread i mean he he learned it from Greg Smith who learned it from Dennis Erickson and that's just kinda what it is. But when you got Bo Levi Mitchell throwing a Brandon Kaufman and handing it off to Tywan Jones, you just got better players. And when you got Vernon Adams throwing to Cooper Cup and Kendrick Bourne and and Shaq Hill, like the offense looks pretty darn good because you just have such dudes running it. And I'm just I'm so interested to see if he can get those same he's not gonna get the same type of dude, the same makeup. You can't. It's just totally different. But I'm just interested if he can recruit guys that have superior talent to the rest of the field that he's competing against. Because that's where Eastern Washington was just so great. They just had better players. Yeah, so much of that is
2: academic standards. I, I think that you know kids are focusing so much on academics these days, not necessarily during the school year, but during the recruiting process. Parents are more involved. People are more educated on what it takes that you're probably not going to go to the NFL, that a good education especially for a full-ride scholarship, is a really positive thing. I think that you're going to see more talent get diverted from maybe, you know, a very high-level academic institution is going to be starting to get some more of those talented players due to their academic prowess. I, I have no idea what Bo Baldwin's is going to do there, but if he can get a couple of California kids that wanted to go to UCLA, I mean, you're going to be in a pretty good spot because you weren't getting those kids in eastern Washington, in my opinion.
0: Wow, well, that's a lot of breaking news to address in this podcast, but uh, most of the people that are here, I'm sure they enjoyed hearing all of that, but they're here for Bobcats and Grizz and into the quarterfinals and uh, both sides. Uh, you know, the Grizz in the quarterfinals, first time since 2011. Cats in the quarterfinals, first time since 2012. And uh, we've been waiting for this for a long time, waiting for these two teams to be Elite Eight squads, and they fulfilled the potential. So um, when we were – I talked about this with Gus. And when we were breaking down the year, previewing the year, breaking down the rosters throughout the league, we thought the three best teams in the league would be the three best teams that are left in the playoffs, Montana, Montana State, and Weaver State. I don't think us or anybody predicted the Sac State's rise, and I think us and a lot of people thought UC Davis would be better, and uh, I think we probably agreed that Eastern would be about where they were, which was you know, kind of fifth in the league and, and good, but not as good as they had been. And We'll see if they can get it back on track. But I think both of us would have agreed that the Montana schools were probably eight-win teams going into Cat Grizz, which uh, they were. The Grizz were just one better than that. And uh, they both finished as nine-win teams. They both got the buys that we thought they had the potential to get, and they both had home games, and they won those home games in the playoffs. Yet still, it's fascinating that it still seems sort of not like a surprise, but it's just like, wow, they did it. It's like an affirmation. It's a sense of relief that they – they made it this far. So what do you think of just the fact that you know, we, we prognosticate and predict, and so often it doesn't go how we expect. But most of the time when it doesn't go how you expect, it goes worse than you expected. But this time it went about how we expected, and that's a good thing.
2: Yeah, it's a good way of putting it. It doesn't happen all that much where we predict something and it, it goes just as planned. There's always a team that wasn't supposed to be good like Sack. They were kind of middle of the road, lower lower half of the league that, that rises up. It, it almost always happens, um, but the three best teams being the best teams is, is it is great affirmation of seeing that people can seize the moment and and do what they have to do to harness the talent and the skill that is clearly on paper. Um, it's easier said than done, though, and we've seen I think we've seen all three of the, the, the teams left go through struggles this year. You know, we watched Montana State have you know what Jeff Choke calls an October to forget. And that's, a, that's a, a, a nice way of putting it, you know, after loss, bye-week loss to Sac State and North Dakota, respectively. We saw Montana get their butts kicked by Sac State, uh, which you can consider a low point. And You saw Weber get absolutely manhandled by the Grizz up in Missoula. So all of those things said that there's enough adversity within these seasons that I think these teams are battle-tested where the moment that they're about to experience is definitely not too big for any of them. Um, which is fun because that's what the lead eight should look like. You know, we'll see what what some of the other schools around the, the country can do. You know, Northern Iowa not ranked, um, Illinois State unranked, who lost to North Dakota State by 35 earlier this season. They rematch, and and then Austin P. Who's going to be in Bozeman? We'll see if those teams can hang. But at this point in the season, if you've made it this far, you have real deal talent, and we've seen that from the Montana schools and across the Big Sky.
0: You mentioned the October to forget, and Chort has talked about that. He's talked about it as a turning point of their season. You know, Take a setback and, and turn it into a comeback is what he keeps saying. But you know specifically, what do you think have been the keys to what Montana State has addressed? Because they talked about looking in the mirror, addressing their weaknesses, you know, addressing tendencies during the bye week, and then they didn't do it. They actually looked worse against North Dakota. But then they did do it, and they've continued to get better as well as being more diverse. And like earlier in the, the first half of the season, all the way up until the bye week, the narrative around Montana State was twofold, how talented the team is and how, frustrated, how frustrating they were because they were just shooting themselves in the foot so often, and they haven't done that in five weeks, and they've looked like we hoped and wanted and predicted that they could the last couple weeks. So in your mind, what just schematically and, and what have they been able to do that's just helped them improve like they have?
2: Well, I think it is schematic. Uh, I think on offense they've become more multiple, which is which is really helpful. They they get back to the bread and butter of of the of the downhill running game, which they've been hanging their hat on for four years. But they really added some elements that that, that give you pre snap looks, whether it be fly sweep motion, uh, whether it be a different set than they've been running the week before with heavy tight ends. They've run some thirteen personnel. Uh, they've they've used H backs at times. Um, all of that being said you know tucker rovig has finally come into his own and played at a very high level and an increasingly high level each week that's really interesting and awesome to see a guy that has lost the starting job twice once to injury once to competition got it back both times just to flush it away again um and kind of got the he got the keys to the car and finally After playing, imagine that, you know, a kid had to play to improve. That's usually how it goes. Still holding a redshirt sophomore. He's played really well. That's a huge factor for where they're at right now offensively. Defensively, they have gotten to the point where they're so talented that they can run such base looks, give you a little bit of pre-snap smoke, a little bit of pre-snap, and then bring stuff from a variety of areas out of mostly just a base formation. It's not a ton. You know, they have their money down where they get in a, an extra pass rusher and sometimes a nickelback on third down. But otherwise, they're playing such a base look and then being very multiple in their coverages. There's only a handful of coverages you can run. We'll call them cover two, cover three, cover four. Those, and cover four transitions into a man defense in almost every single look. It's only three or four that you can run. But to be able to do those each and every play against the right formation, Kane Aon has it dialed up. He knows that when he's facing 12 personnel – to run cover two, cover three, cover two, cover two, cover two, and have this nice momentum and this nice uh, pace to his play calling. They're just so talented on defense that you could dare near run anything at this point.
0: I think that's something that Derek Marks has talked about it, and Bryce Sturck's talked about a little bit, but it's sort of an undertold story, and it's, it's, the, it's football 505, not football 101. But when you watch what they do up front – they do a lot of line games, but those are not called. And I think that's the most interesting part. Is And that's why Derek Marks is so special. Because Marks can truly find tendencies of a whole unit on his own, and then he can ad-lib while also passing that that information along to his teammates. And now all of a sudden they're running line games... That he's basically calling, and it's it's amazing to watch, and I think that you know Bryce Dirk is such a powerhouse, he's such a unbelievably gifted athlete, and Chase Benson, you know it was his birthday the other day, and b J. Robertson always does his shout outs of guys on their birthday, but he said uh he said the son of Thor, the god of iron, Chase Benson, <laughs> I think I mean the kid is a legendary weightlifter, and he's using that strength, but those two guys, their brute strength and their natural gifts. When they have some direction from Derek Marks and then you have the savvy of Amandre Williams, it, it's, I mean, for somebody that really loves line play, it's amazing to watch, man. They, they are playing at such a high level. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, I think the best part you could say about the unit is that even though Bryce Dirk has 15 sacks and he's one of the leading sack guys in the country, and he's probably the quote unquote star they all are getting the shine while all, none of them are getting the shine all at the same time. And it's it's a, it's an amazing, what they do is so complex. And I think that people don't really understand how complex it is, how much synchronicity it takes, but it's unbelievable to watch now that they have it completely locked in.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I I think people want us to say, you know, the facts. And the facts are that they're kicking people's asses left and right and up and down. And these are not, there has, they have not been playing in competitive games. They have been rolling people. And it's it's awesome because, like you say, it really isn't one guy. It's always fun when there's that one guy that's doing it. We see it in football so often. Patrick Mahomes last year for the Chiefs. Troy Anderson last year for the Bobcats. Dalton Sneed to a sense at points of this season. This is seriously such a team effort and Choke talks about all the time. He can say it till he's right in the face. When you watch it, it really is amazing. And I would, want, I would like to throw in the, the most the most important players on each side of the ball, I think, this season. And I think defensively is the one that matters the most is Amadre Williams has been the most important player on their defense because everyone else wins so often. They needed the other guy. They have never had a buck that has produced the way that that position could. Move Bryce Stirk from buck to strong end, plug Amadre Williams in, and to get the level of production that he's had the last five weeks, It absolutely changes everything. Because you have to block Chase Benson, you have to block Derek Marks, you have to double-team Sterk. Amundra Williams getting one-on-one at this level, I mean, he is absolutely dominant at this exact point of the season.
0: It's fun to watch. And then on the other side, you know, Jeff Choate said something interesting. I think Connor Wood's a really good player, but but Jeff Choate said that if he would have stayed healthy all year, he would have nominated his sophomore right tackle for first-team All-Big Sky. And he has not played since he went down in the Southern Utah game. And we haven't even talked about it. Not one time have we talked about that. And usually if you lose what is one of the six or seven best offensive linemen in the league and the second best offensive lineman on your team, especially your power tackle in a run-heavy scheme, that's usually really detrimental. But Jake Sessions has done a great job, and that unit is operating at such a high level as well. And you know, it, it honestly it makes me so happy just because of the affirmation of what I have always believed to be true. And that's if you have elite line play on both sides of the ball, you have a chance. And that has made uh, Tucker Rovick has been able to blossom because of the elite line play keeping them in games. And I think that it's it's been so fun to watch their offensive line and just so fun to watch the way that they developed on both sides of the ball because like do they have the best offensive line in the country? I don't think so, but they have one of the better ones for sure. Do they have the best D line in the country? I don't think so, but they have one of the better ones for sure. But the fact is that they have both, and they're one of the only teams besides North Dakota State I've watched this whole year that has both. And I think that gives you a huge, a huge advantage no matter who you're playing.
2: And the best part about what you just said is, do they have the best offensive line? Do they have the best defensive line? You get to play the game and find out.
0: No doubt. No doubt. Well, let's talk, Grizz, quickly, we'll get you out of here. Uh, Grizz, Weber State, the notion and the cliche and the talking point is that it's so hard to beat a team twice. First of all, do you believe that, and if so, why?
2: Yeah, I do. I mean, I think the saying usually generally goes three times. Uh, but I understand the sentiment. I don't think it necessarily applies at this point, especially in playoff football. I'll, t- I, I'll say this, I do not think that Weber State's going to get beat like they did against Montana in Missoula earlier this season. <laughs> but I do think that Montana still has
0: the advantage. Last week, Montana, Dalton Steed looked fully healthy, and when he looks healthy, that gives you the chance. It's it's so interesting to analyze the Cats and the Grizz overlaid with each other, right? Because the Cats, they've had no less than 20 internal players of the week. I mean, they've had so many guys step up that that are not necessarily star guys, but that have been a star for a week, whether it's Damian Washington or Callahan O'Reilly or... um, you know, on down the line, Lane Sumner, Logan Jones, Tyrone Marshall. you know Lance McCutcheon last week, out of nowhere, comes out of hibernation and catches two touchdown passes. Tucker Rovick at times. But then Montana, it's the opposite. They got some of the best players in the country. And when those guys are operating at their best, it gives them a chance. But they have to have them operating at their best to have a chance. But last week, Dante Olsen, Dalton Snead, Samari Touré, they were absolutely at their best. So what did you think of the way the Grizz were able to bounce back from the devastating Cat Grizz loss and get back on track with a 73-pointer uh, on Saturday?
2: Yeah, I was certainly impressed. I mean, those guys, as you named her, are, are, are some of the best in the country, and they played at a very high level. I mean, Samari Torre, it's hard to say that, that there's been somebody who's ever had a better performance in the FCS playoffs. Um, especially at receiver, but I—I I mean, just in general. I mean, what a dominant performance! Is it what 12 for 305? Is that, is that 12 for 303
0: line? and three touchdowns? Yep.
2: I mean, it's hard to do in video games, you know. I mean, it's hard to do that in a theoretical, you know, drop of a football game. He did that in real life against a pretty good playoff team that threw some shots. Um, I thought the Ben but don't break defense that they used to play was a little bit back in in, in fashion, which was odd. Um, they were pretty darn dominant, but they also gave up some shot plays. They also gave up, you know, 28 points pretty easily to a team that was 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 pretty darn good on offense. But when you're scoring at that rate and you can get up 73 points, my God, of course you're going to give up some defensive points because things are just rolling. The offensive machine in the stadium overall is rolling. I thought the Grizz did everything they needed to do to get back on track. I was impressed. I was also. A little bit surprised that they showed so well after such a devastating loss. But, you know, what a stamp on the STS playoffs, especially if that, if that be your only home game. Uh, pretty impressive.
0: Pick them. What do you think is going to happen this weekend?
2: Oh, man. Well, I think that the Cats are going to kick the shit out of, out of Austin P. I mean, that's just there's a lot of factors that go into it but if you if the, the folks don't listening or listening do not know where big sky montana is situated to Bozeman Montana it's pretty darn far it's all of 40 miles in one of the windiest sketchiest canyons you could ever drive it follows a creek the entire way you get socked in by shadows on both sides uh, the road the more people die on that road than anywhere around this region in a 100 mile radius and it's not even close Austin P is electing to stay up in Big Sky. I don't even know if they allow buses to drive through the canyon. Um, I'm really not sure, but that shows me a lot of a lack of preparation, a lack of research. Um, I think Austin P. I believe that they can hang in this game for at times, but the Cats are 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 playing at such a high level right now. And then down in Weber, as I mentioned, I think the Grizz have an advantage. when you said, you know, what's, why do I believe that it's hard to beat a team twice or three times, however the same may go, a lot of it is familiarity. You know what you're getting into. You've felt that. You've felt another man. It's not, it's not the image or the idea or the dream of. When you wake up at 3 in the morning, you don't think, I wonder what it's going to feel like to block Bob Dales. You've blocked him. You know. That's such an important part of football. At the edge of mentally playing football is the physicality, the element of understanding your enemy. And so that's why I think it's a little bit more even. Dalton Sneed played at such a high level. I mean, he played at like an NFL talent last week. I think that, that if, if the Grizz get a similar performance as Dalton Sneed's best during this, this calendar season, I mean, I don't see how anyone's knocking them out anytime soon.
0: This is breakdown presented by Town Pump, Montana's best since 1953. I'll be hitting up a Town Pump. Before I come to your house, Brooks, I'll be there tomorrow. Come see us down at the Rock and Bar, 4 to 6 p.m. to tell is live from downtown Bozeman. We'll have you covered in both Ogden and Bozeman quarterfinals of the FCS playoffs. Brooks Nwan is during the Big Sky Breakdown. Thanks so much for being with us, man.
2: Yeah, I can't wait to meet Ed McCaffrey. I just got to be honest. Me
0: neither. Is it wrong to ask for an autograph? We might just have to break protocol and just be like, Ed, you're my hero. Can I get an autograph? Well, and a
2: picture. I need a uh, picture. Then I'm going to put it next to the picture we have with Cooper Cup and say, who's better, Ed McCaffrey or Cooper Cup?
0: That's a good one. What
2: a question. What a question. Love it. Love it. Love it. Hey, thanks for doing it, man. Appreciate it. See you soon. See you soon.